Blog Talk Radio. Seriously, dude, with the music selection twice, you'd think CM Punk would be entering through the goddamn arena. Anyways, can someone please, I mean, cue Maestro, I mean, and during the film, uh, during the film, and during the few moments that I have left, I'd like to explain, well, you get the gist, right? And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to us in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Do I have the results? 
they do have the results. There's a tag team match, Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher versus GYV. There was a shoe involved. Wade Barrett's size 15 boot, his <laughs> size 15 Italian leather shoe, went across the face of Zach Gibson. And not only did he tap out, they lost to Tommaso Ciampa and the Grizzly, you know, and uh, Timothy Thatcher. And also, Cameron Grimes beat an up and comer. I do recall some discussion about the Cruiserweight Championship match with Jordan Devlin and Santos Escobar. Oh, and next week, let's see here. It's got <clears throat> Ember Moon. Yeah, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart versus Candice Ray and Eddie Hartwell. So the ratings the last five weeks, huh? Okay, that's cool. Um, most viewed was the way attack Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. Okay. Least viewed, Isaiah Swerve Scott challenges Leon Ruff. So the median viewership was 124.699. All right, cool. Isaiah Swerve Scott beat Leon Ruff. Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa beat the Grizzled Young Veterans. Da da da. Karrion Cross, Pete Dunn, Kyle O'Reilly, and Finn Balor appear live. That was actually a good melee between all four of them. I think they're finally working Karrion Cross in. Saray beat Zeta Zeta Raymer, so that's an up and comer. LA Knight beat Jake Atlas, which. Jake Atlas is okay, I guess. Kushida challenges Santos Escobar for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Mercedes Martinez and Raquel Gonzalez face off. That's going to be a good one. Okay, this is like NXT rush to book this rematch for next week. I don't really care what you say. The way to defeat Shotzi Black and Ember Moon for the NXT Women's Championship, or Women's Tag Team Championships. Isn't that a little bit too soon? I don't know. Anyway, so um, as I continue, that's what happened, folks. NXT was one big chaotic mess. And also, all right, folks, so we have our new co-host here. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Sorry for keeping you hanging, buddy. But tonight, Off the Rails Uncensored is going to get an added flavor to it. I'm going to let him introduce himself because I'm terrible with introductions. So welcome to the show. It's your boy, Pizza Simpson, checking in for the first time, checking in with some indie news, a little impact news, and uh, I just got done watching AEW. As did I, and I I noticed some similarities between the concept of TakeOver War Games and Blood and Guts, and it really fucking irked me. But I watched it, and I thought, okay, well, there's some good suspense. You know, Jericho and MJF at the end. Uh, the match itself was functional. It's too, like, the back and forth for me. Okay, I've seen enough of that shit. But, you know, the concept was, you know, one man enters, and then he has to either pin, not pin, but submit or surrender. Think that's essentially that's the. That's a, I'm, I don't mean to cut in, but that's essentially the same concept with all variations of the war games match. So there's really nothing that they can really do here to really get around that. I think that they did an okay job. My only 
my only beef with what was going on was okay. So how many? You know, there's, there's variations around the world, and War Games is not NXT is not going to state claim. Well, this is we came up with this concept first, but for me, sure. like I, I just watching it. I I love when Jericho entered. You can tell. That shit was, I'm being honest here, I watched the entirety of it, and I saw the picture-by-picture picture, mm-hmm. um, in between the commercials. I'm a bit peeved because it's like, so, I saw who got involved, and I'm, I'm not upset at some of the things that was going on between Hager and Wardlow, and my biggest pet peeve was, like, okay, how many guys are going to gig? Okay, it is called blood, it's called Blood and Guts, so yeah, I don't mind the gigging. It had to... Um, yeah, and people had to bleed. That's really what it was. <laughs> I didn't find that, dude. Just, dude. The shit was all over the fucking place. Like, dude, people want to chant AE dubs. Like, to me, it was like if ECW had a cage match on steroids, what it basically was. And. <coughs> I like the matchups because the matchups made sense. You have the big guys sure. against the big ends, the medium, you know, the medium sized guys, the medium sized guys, the small fries with the small fries. Sorry, Sammy. Sorry, uh, you know, the rest of the crew from Inner Circle and Cynical. But um, it's funny how people like boo the fuck out of MJF, and it's like I think Jericho, in hindsight, was trying to pass his torch so to speak, to MJF by saying, hey, you know, it's, this is, you know, you get the heat now, you get to deal with the bullshit. You know, I was one yeah. dude. So I think that's kind of what they were going for. And they did a fantastic job at the end, even though you knew what the fuck was coming. Yeah. But it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to throw him off the cage and then throw him off the cage. He landed fucking stable. Oh, he might be, JR. He might oh, it was be really broken. clean. That might be broken. Yeah, and I'm, like, laughing my ass off at JR. Oh, his back might be broken in half. Like, uh... Let me uh, get in here. Um, really, my first off, my beef with this match was I think it was too much too soon, and I really felt like we could have saved this whole thing for the pay-per-view. And there was... Um, the pay-per-view, I believe, is May 16th, and there's a lot of good matchups here that they could have built towards the pay-per-view in general. We didn't even have to see this so soon. We we could have uh, finally seen Wardlow and Jack Jack Hager, Jake Hager at the pay-per-view. We could have seen FTR and Proud and Powerful, Sammy Callahan. I mean, Sammy um, Guevara could have got some sort of matchup here somewhere. I just think. It was too much too soon. I do think the match was a bit chaotic, and it was a lot of blood right away. It was a lot of blood, but uh, I really enjoyed the finish. I think the finish was great. I I I, I normally like I said I I said in the intro I have reached my breaking point with AEW, which is true because I gave it a chance because I said to my the fans on. Russell underscore radio network, you know, like this is something that I don't normally do. I normally don't watch or care for AEW, and people are going to turn right around and say, I don't normally care or watch NXT since they lost a lot of the big names. I'm not a particular fan, folks. I like wrestling in general. I do like the fact that Jericho is like, okay, just throw me off. Because you can tell that Jericho is telling him, like, you, you got to do something to tighten the whole thing because if you don't, what a, what a moment. And they're going to be like, 
Well, yeah, then it's a critical moment because if MJF doesn't become the over-the-top heel that he's supposed to become, then Pinnacle loses ground, and then Inner Circle becomes the ultimate baby faces, and they're like, oh, he gave him a chance. What the hell is this? You know, it's like it's like a drawn-out concept in professional wrestling. You have to let the heel expand and spread their wings and be able to fucking fly. If not, then you're basically saying essentially, oh, we're just like our competition where we don't do shit. You know, in moments like that. Like, example, a good example of that was Alexa Bliss being, dowsing herself in gasoline and Randy, she handed Randy Orton the match. And instead of lighting her ass on fire, she just let her stand there. And I'm just like, really? We're not going to pull this fucking trigger? I mean, do you want them to light this girl on fire in front of everyone? Yes. <laughs> you can't do that on USA television. <laughs> I mean, dude, they would turn off the TV, but they lit Bray Wyatt's ass on fire. It's like, dude, the, the concepts of, of so many things have gone like to the point where it's like, oh, we can't do this because we've got kid viewers watching their television. Demographics. Uh, as I mentioned earlier to you, for WWE with the 18 to 49 demographics was down 5.7%. And I think that if you're watching AEW, they don't give two fucks. I mean, literally, Tony Schiavone is mouthing Miro's promo. I don't know if Miro has memory loss, but the cameraman tried to zoom in tonight on Miro. And I'm like, dude, Miro's a really good promo if you give him a shot. Like, I mean, I don't really think so. I think he worked better when he had someone talking for him. I just think it's just been kind of a waste for the past seven months because the best man and playing video games really got him nowhere. And we're here now just kind of dormant. He's not really making an impact, so... And I personally just think, like, it's never really, he's never really going to make an impact because the show is not about anybody else but the elite. I think that the sad part is, yes, that is correct, because the show is centered around um, mainly Jericho, MJF, Guevara, because you can't, literally what they're doing is trying to conceptualize um that these factions have a story behind them. You know, Pinnacle has their story. MJF was working from the inside when he was a part of the inner circle. It was fine um, with the whole uh, concept that Jericho was the only fucking heel around, and then came MJF. So you knew that they were like, oh, we're best friends, blah, 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 and hitting the big turn. And it's just like, goddamn. They're like, we knew, knew it was coming. But yeah. at the same time, at, at the same time, some of the fans were like, "Oh, well, this is a great story angle." I'm like, "The hell it is, dude!" If I can, it's pretty light. That's formally, it's like even if you're not from the other side of the fucking curtain, you could tell from a fucking mile away that it that was going to happen. Because MJF and Jericho both have egos the size of Texas, California, and New York state size. Like their wrestling egos are so big, it cannot even fit in a goddamn. MJF already had the heel turn, already had the fucking turn on Cody 
um, last year, so it's not really like any surprise he was going to knife uh, Chris Jericho in the back. I don't know. It's just, I feel like he, we've he's already been the best heel in the company for the longest time. I just feel like he should be doing more, or he should be challenging for the title, or maybe even in Darby's spot, because it's just kind of, when are you going to pull the trigger? Well, the thing is with Darby Allen, you know, he wasn't really supposed to be picked by any wrestling company. He was a part of Evolve for a very long time. And then he kind of just had his form of escapism, went to Revolver, from Revolver to wherever the fuck he went. And if anybody's followed Darby Allen through, this dude is made of rubber because this is the guy that I've seen go from, you know, getting doing a moon, society moonsaults off the top of, you know, the piping at Wrestling Revolver and also it Evolve because this dude's nuts. Like, he takes bumps onto anything that is not nailed to the floor. And not only right. that, but the concept is now he's, oh, he's going to face Miro next week. And I'm like, oh, dear God, this poor kid is going to get bent in the shit. And then he comes out and it just surprises everyone. And also, the fact that Kenny Omega um, is making fun, completely complete fun of uh, Orange Cassidy. I'm going to say this right now, folks. Um, this by any sort of means not a rambling rant, but I hate that fucking kid because here's why. You're going to tell me that traditional wrestling goes out the window with AEW. I don't give a fuck. I like some of AEW's guys. Boxing in particular. Uh, Pac. I don't mind Hangman Page, although he is kind of a prick. Uh, in some instances, not you know to everybody, but he is kind of a prick. He should have been people. on the show tonight. He should have been on the thank you. I was about to bring that up. He should have been on the show tonight on Dynamite. Um, we got Kenny Omega making fun of Orange Cassidy, and it's kind of funny. But um, that's my point. Why don't why do people, some people, um, not like Orange Cassidy in the personal sense? One, he can wrestle with his hands, but he chooses to put them in his pocket. Now, if I was going one-on-one with this little fuck, I'd make sure that you use your hands for a sequence, that you tell me, unless you're good at teeth, you can't fucking work, then why are you wrestling? You're supposed to use your hands, dumbass, because if you get hurt, what are you going to do? Keep your hands in your pocket? Give the X sign with your crotch? <laughs> Just hands, you know, that's, that's one reason why I, I'm sorry. But the whole concept of him versus Omega is bugging the ever-living shit out of me right now. I don't think he's going to face Omega, to be honest with you, to be realistic. Would you really want to waste a pay-per-view on Orange Cassidy versus Kenny Omega? Um, I'd rather take my hand in the blender and push puree. That's not going to put... You know, that's not going to sell pay-per-views. Pac versus Kenny Omega is going to sell pay-per-views. <laughs> I mean, they've already had that match concept, you know, conceptualized and thought of and, you know, thought about booking. It's not that they dislike Orange Cassidy, but I got to agree with Jim Cornette. He's basically a watered-down Enzo who wrestles with his goddamn hands in his fucking pocket. And, folks, I'm not going to be speaking of Enzo and Cass. They've been on the ring mill several times. 
Are they going to be a part of AEW? Are they going to turn the corner and make things go? It's like, you know what? At this point, I'm not going to be shocked because um, right now what they've got going on in AEW is, okay, you've got two factions feuding with one another, Pinnacle and uh, Inner Circle. Is it a good feud yet? Uh, is it going to draw a lot of the ire of the traditional wrestling fan? No. Uh, we've seen a lot of feuds before. Fabulous Freebirds, Four Horsemen. Von Erichs, Four Horsemen. Uh, Von Erichs and the Fabulous Freebirds. There are several factions that have fought in the past that have drawn the ire of the traditional wrestling fans. By traditional wrestling fan, I mean the fans that are dumber than dirt. Some of them, not all. I'll fall in love with this feud because why? Some people like blood. Some people like a huge angle now. Now you have a big angle because MJF just basically pulled the asshole move of, I shove Chris Jericho off the top of the cage. You must worship the ground that I walk on. You know, they ended the match in a bullshit fashion because they probably were told, hey, you guys are going past the network length. Let's, you know, let's get this shit going. And Guevara surrendering was kind of funny because it's like you guys were all over the place during the entire match. FTR and then, you know, Sean Spears and the fact that everyone knows sell shit, including Hager and Wardlow, pissed me the fuck off because it's like, dude, you guys are two big guys. Shouldn't the smaller guys be getting involved um, to help out one of the two big guys? I mean, it was if you're going to have a match with a time limit, like a two, five-minute time limit, and the guy's like counting down New Year's coming in every five minutes, I believe. Uh, I believe MJF, if he would have tapped on the top of the cage, would have been a shitty ending as well. Because then you're just saying, okay, so we had all this build-up, and then boom. And then, that's like the end of the feud. Earlier, that's the end of the feud, if you do that. But the other thing is, dude... Like you said, there could have been more fantasy matchup, you know, buildups between Wardlow and Hager or, you know, FTR and Power You know, it's just AEW does shit like WCW. And I love saying that because comparing and contrasting WCW then versus AEW's concept of now, the booking is absolutely horrendous. It's like, uh, what was, you know, I watched it, and there, there are certain things in the review that I was watching at EW where I had it on uh, DVR just in case I missed, but Shivani literally mouthed Miro's promo. And you're right. He does need somebody beside him. It's just, dude, if Shivani's sitting there mouthing words, like, out, like, trying to, like, grit his teeth and make it not look so obvious, like... I don't know if Miro has one of those issues where you tell him, okay, this is what you're going to say, but I want you to speak from the heart, and he forgets. I don't know what his issue is, dude, and I think he's a good I met him before. Uh, in it's person. probably he's Not super jacked up. Like, all that freaking yeah. energy, and he's just, I'm going to kick your ass, and this is me, and rrr, rrr, rrr. I, it's, you know, it's just probably too much aggression and emotion, and he's speaking too from the heart. <laughs> but like, on NXT, though, it's like, boy, my God, dude, I think, I think AEW lit a fire under Hunter's ass, because he, they're literally trying to mimic, NXT is trying to mimic 
main roster. And I can kind of tell because I'm going to jump from AEW to NXT for a minute. I noticed that Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon lost the titles to the way. I'm thinking, well, I don't know if they're going to play hot potato with those tag titles in NXT. But Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell as champions. Okay, you need a heel uh, heel champion set of champions because you already have them on, you know, Raw, and you already, I think that SmackDown Live should get their own champions as well, but then I thought to myself, if they do that, it may or may not be a good idea for the women's division. And speaking of the women's division in AEW, if if I remember correctly, they said they were going to interview Jay Car- or Jade Cargill next week on Dynamite. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, okay, <laughs> I cannot stand her because she's basically essentially a bootleg version of Bianca Belair. Like, you well, know, I kind of get that vibe, but I kind of get some Mandy Rose in there too. But here's my thing. I think they've kind of like pushed her, you know, a bunch during that that little match with Shaq, and then we haven't seen her on TV since. You know, I think she should be on TV all the time. That should be your top draft pick. You know what I mean? You got to remember that some people don't watch Dark and and that other show, Dark Elevation. So we should be seeing her more. I don't know. Grow some talent. Speaking to AEW, oh, I'm going to say this. I'm going to call AEW out on this shit. Your women's division is absolute bullshit. I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not sorry for telling you that. Because I believe that whenever I turn on their TV, it's either Thunder Rosa and fucking Britt Baker who can work a fantastic match to save, you know, to save the fucking graces of the entire rest of that locker room, which is non-fucking existent. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah. That's am really it. Because, because, am I wrong? Because their entire women's division consists of women from New Japan or AWJ or AWJPA, and it's just like, guys, I've had some tours done in Japan where, like, I've seen the wrestling there compared to the wrestling here. Let me explain something to you. I have friends <laughs> uh, on AEW's roster, including, no, I wouldn't say friends, but maybe, okay, one friend, Mike Seidel, and I know how nice and how cool he is, but I'm not going to sit there and lie about, I'm not going to sugarcoat shit about AEW's women's division. What women's division, where, how, what, and why. All they do seem to do is like study the concepts of the Attitude Era and basically apply it with some little form of wrestling for with Mae Young rejects and rejects from NXT or people that could not get along with the rest of the locker room. And what do I mean by that? Britt Baker thought she was hot as shit. And she found that out the hard way when they jobbed her to fucking Shayna Baszler and told her either shape up or don't come back at all. And Britt Baker took it as, well, I'm going to take some time off. She goes, and like, you didn't ask for your fucking release, dude. Second of all, Thunder Rosa, why are you playing around in a cesspool of piranhas that are just going to, I'm going to ask this personally, if you, you know, even if you're not listening to it. Why are you wasting your time in a division that's not going to complement your skills at all? 
it didn't take long, dude. I, it did not take me long to nitpick AEW tonight because they are great wrestling division, but they've got some fucking fixing to do. Let's see. Let's see what what did I my notes that I took up from AEW tonight. Um. I really enjoyed that Michael Nakazawa worked in his, like, khaki pants and <laughs> AEW work shirt. That was pretty funny about – about that was uh, the prettiest, funniest thing that I can think of from that match with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, the opening match. It was another pretty much throwaway. It, it really just – Great, another Young Bucks uh, Bullet Club run-in. Um, I don't know. I really don't care about Kenny Omega's feud with John Moxley anymore. I, I just really don't. I really don't care about it. I just really want to see him go on and move on to something else, if, if there's anything else to do, because I heal Young Bucks and just always – Picking on Eddie Kingston and fucking uh, John Moxley is just really not keeping my interest. So, what do you think about that? I think that everyone is thinking the same as you and I because it's like if you're going to have a feud with somebody, you gotta fucking light, spice it up. Give it a. Moxley it's not going anywhere for me. Well, and even if it's not going anywhere for you, I mean, like, there's way in wrestling you can rekindle a feud or rekindle the interest somehow, some way. Like, even okay, AEW's limited amount of talent because there's some guys on that roster that have said, you know, they feel like there's too, there's way too many cooks in the fucking kitchen when it comes to booking. And Tony Khan, he does have creative say. He's kind of like the, their Vince McMahon. Sorry, Tony. I mean, you did give advice to WrestleMania 37, even though they're not your jurisdiction. But uh, I'm going to tell you this. WCW, I've mentioned this, and ECW, if they had a love child. But their love child is fucking dumber than dirt and blows more than Jenna Jameson on a porn set. (laughs) Wait. I mean, to be honest with you, <laughs> the booking is not, it's like, it's not the issue. It's like, you guys have recycled this story between Omega and Moxley to the point where fans are like, please regurgitate something else. I really just kind of think it's time to start putting putting them with other people. Maybe Moxley versus Penta. Maybe, uh, maybe Omega versus Kingston. I don't know. Just... Just going just different directions. I just don't think. I think after the like botched explosion, I think maybe it's time to go in a different direction. I think in wrestling, though, when the promoters or the like the workers themselves, it's just maybe me. Um, it, it sometimes it's hard for them to get out of that mindset of okay, we well, you know we've got a good thing going. If the workers feel it, that's a bad thing. If the fans feel it and the workers like, well, maybe we should try it, it, sometimes it's hard to, well, okay, maybe yes, I can explain it like this. If Omega and Moxley had a good feud last year, and then they're like, well, let's try it again this year. And then they, some, Moxley's probably like saying, okay, man, can we move on? What's that thing, man, that's- Page and Buck Smith? Because Omega and Page could put on it. You put Omega with anybody, he can put on a good match. 
But at the same fucking time, it's like, dude, honestly, like you said, it's so dead and dull with the Young Bucks getting involved, and they're always picking on Eddie Kingston. It's like, dude, it's like that bully on the blacktop that you know is going to get eventually get his ass kicked. I'm just kind of bored with the Bullet Club in 2021. Yeah, it's just not the same as like the same inspiration or same fire that it had back a few years back. Yeah, when they were starting it the worldwide stuff. It was cooler in 2014. I don't know. I really just don't feel like that the, the the crossover with Impact Wrestling has really benefited anything or anyone. It's mostly just seems like it's just an ego stroke and just to like act cool on TV. And just act like dickheads. I uh, I, I noticed the that uh, the Good Brothers, yeah, the Good Brothers were trying. I think they were trying to dress like the full-blooded uh, Italians or whatever. Uh, to, uh, Tony Mama Luke and uh, Big Vito I th- <laughs> or some shit. <laughs> I think that you know Luke and Carl mean well, and they're you know. They're trying to project the image of, hey, we're keeping this Bullet Club thing alive. And it's like, dude, it's been seven years since you guys are fucking – it's not non-relevant. They're doing much better, I guess, in my opinion. But I get what Omega and them were trying to conceptualize or do uh, with the whole let's bring the territories back a part of uh, AEW. And we'll make it different. We're, you know, we're even going to involve WWE. You know, Cody even said if we cross-promote it, it would be a beneficial. It would in a sense that you could see, although I'm going to say this nicely, NXT's women's division could wipe the floor with AEW's women's division. Not just the women's division, but like if they were to cross promote, do you know how much bad blood and tension would go on amongst certain people? Including like, okay, Jericho just made an appearance, you know, on Stone Cold's podcast, and he just like, I turned my head and go, okay, so if they were to cross promote both brands, I wonder how that would work, because about three quarters of AEW's roster consists of former NXT and former main roster talent. So I don't care. I don't care about that concept because, to be honest with you, it's just saying, well, we're doing so good, so we want to see if you want to work with us, is what Cody basically was saying. And I think it's funny how he reached out and said, hey, if you guys want some help, we're willing to help you. That's basically a slap to the fucking face code. No offense. Yeah. It'll never happen. <laughs> it's, it's, that's, that's, just, maybe, uh, but... that's just working the that's just working the marks for I don't want to sound like that, but that's just just working people just saying shit to just give people false hope. Bunch of jib jab. I also whatever. Well, I also just want to point out like. Yes, it's true because, you know, you have guys literally saying different things about AEW and WWE, and people are like, well, what about Impact? What about NWA? I said, NWA is doing wonderful shit, dude. It's not to say that other wrestling companies have been completely lost in the fray, but when Ring of Honor, you know, constantly bats around Jay Lethal, and they constantly bring in names that are, you know, that are big amongst the indies, but they're not so big current speaking, you know. Um, Ring of Honor is like the 
pre-workout before you get to the fucking bread and butter of the main, you know, their tryout for NXT. And that's the honest to God fucking truth because, oh, I don't know, Kevin Owen, now currently known as John, you know, as Kevin Owen, or Claudio, known as Cesaro, uh, Seth Rollins, the list goes on. Ring of Honor used to have this talent pool, and now it's just one big spot fest in some instances. In some instances, okay, maybe Ring of Honor is just one big, you know, wrestling showcase, and that's fine. But it's not as impactful as AEW or WWE in some instances. WWE, it's hit and miss sometimes. Ring of Honor's trying. I think Ring of Honor is trying to get back to where it was by bringing back the pure title. And um, that was a really cool old concept from back in the day. And, <clears throat> excuse me, that was like actually wrestling being presented as the sport and having uh, Jonathan Gresham, I believe, beat Tracy Williams for that pure title I believe that's what we beat it for, but that's that was a good step forward. And uh, Rush is their champion, and he's got a little uh, Los Ingobernables faction there. And Brody Lee, I mean Brody King, just returned and brought his faction in. So it's uh, Brody King, Chris Dickinson, Tony Deppin. And uh, Homicide, that's like the new faction in Ring of Honor. So Ring of Honor is trying to stick around and make its comeback. And it's not, it's, it's, it's weathered the storm, if you will. I'll give it a, I'll give it a, I'll give it a chance. I've, you know, I've noticed. Like on my advertisement on my, on my newsfeed on Facebook, they will show me old matches from Impact or they will show me old moments from the days, you know, when Jeff Jarrett was you know, he's still running around, so that guy's like really one of the best workers to like, not uh, ask questions, but like, well if you want to know how things work in the business or you want to know how you work your way up Jeff is one of those guys that can tell you, okay, look, that's what I would do, but you do, you know, you do things your way and when he uh, was an impact or TNA, I just felt I thought to myself because I saw some old clips is why I'm bringing this up. I saw some stuff with him, you know, getting to uh, talk to some of the guys from Ring of Honor, and one of the things he said was like what you said. He goes, "You guys may not think that you're doing this, you know, for your benefit or whatever, but it is for your benefit because you're weathering the storm." You're weathering the storm that, you know, you're not popular anymore. Oh, you know, you guys lost a lot of big names, so we really should think about uh, not restructuring, but just how do you approach your match, you know, how you're going to get fans to be drawn in. And he kept going and going. And I'm, I was like, I, I got hooked listening to Jeff Jarrett talk to some of these cats from Ring of Honor because sometimes you need a voice to tell you, okay, this is where we're at. We may not be where we want to be, but we're going to get there eventually. Ring of Honor was like the hot, you know, hot ticket back in 2002. You know, Eddie Guerrero even came, and you know, he wrestled a few matches there. 
I love Ring of Honor. I've went to several shows in Chicago. They are a company through which, you know, a lot of people, including my uncle, I'd call, everyone calls him Uncle Bob. I, call, I can seriously, you know, say, hey, Uncle Bob. But he has wrestled guys like Cheeseburger and Delirious and some of the big names that come out of Ring of Honor, really, uh, okay, like Jay Lethal and uh, Shelton Benjamin at one point wrestled in Ring of Honor. It's a company that's not just a stepping stone for workers, and I want to just point that out. It's a company that gives any wrestling company that you can be a part of, that gives you a chance, is considered a wrestling company in my mind. Um, as far as impact, like you had mentioned earlier, uh, being uh, wrangled in as part of the AEW brand. Oh, let me just speak on that one, shall I? I um, I, uh, let me just state, I watched Impact Show, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. I just, I can't believe I'm saying that. I, you asked me to watch Impact for you, and I did, and I enjoyed it, man. There, I said it. (laughs) I actually agree, because Impact is something, or a show where they... Have let Sammy count, and Sammy Cowley told Kenny and them, goes, hey, look, I may not be the biggest promoter, I may not be the biggest fish in the fucking ocean. Malau, you know, Sammy Callahan, folks, is the guy that runs Wrestling Revolver, and he's also the booker for Impact Wrestling. There's a reason why Omega and them don't touch him. It's because you cannot and will not tell the guy that literally has had more death matches and still standing, surprisingly. I'm going to say that about Sammy because I've I've met him. I've spoken with him at a seminar before. Um, Does that make me the all-knower about people's careers? No. But what it does is I've observed this guy, man. I've seen the way he books things. Yes, he's had some fallacies in his fucking past, but as far as impact currently speaking... You want good, con- you want not just good contests or good story angles. You want to be drawn in as a fan, and this is something that I've always, always said out loud. If you're a worker, a wrestler, you want to draw in your audience. And Sammy does an excellent job uh, throughout, you know, his booking and his style of booking. Not just booking, but my God, dude, the matches. They just fucking can't put into word how well he puts the show together. Let's see. I got some notes from my first time watching Impact in a in a long time. I'm not gonna go into talking about the AEW stuff because um, we've already we already went over it. But I caught some of the Diana uh, Pedrazo versus Tennille Dashwood uh, match, and Diana looked really good, really, really good, really good grappler, um, good, like, arm-based arm base submission stuff. Um, Taylor Wilde made her, imp- like, impact return after 10 years gone. Um, wow. Big Cash showed up. 
Um, big cast looks big cast looks great. Um, I like Eric Young's team, Violent by Design, and I think bringing Joe Doring in from All Japan is a really really big thing because he was a big time player in all Japan and won a bunch of titles there and is just a big bad raw bone dude man I think like Impact doesn't have a lot of uh, a lot of star power but they have a lot of good a lot of good things there that can uh, you know make um, have good matches um yeah, and really what you said, uh, I um, I really enjoyed Sammy Callahan on the show, and I just really liked his interchange with Cyrus. Um, um, he's really making the most out of his time on this show. Um, yeah, Sammy Callahan's the man, big dog. Um, freaking, I liked uh, the versus uh, Josh Alexander match. Uh, Ace Austin has, like, really, like, a swarmy vibe, just real sneaky heel. Josh Alexander is just, just like, a, like a young Taz suplexing this guy just over and over and over again, and they just really had a contrast, a great contrast in style with the Josh being the suplex grappler and Ace being the like sneaky flip heel. So that was really, that was really something. I really enjoyed that match. Um, El Fantasmo from New Japan is coming. I think that's pretty cool because that gives the show some star power. Gives it a little jazz, you know. Um, the main event was Eddie Edwards versus uh, uh, Eddie Edwards versus Sammy Callahan. The winner of the match, they're basically having a tournament. Whoever wins gets a shot at Kenny Omega, and the uh, match was uh, the match ended with Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers basically coming down and beating the shit out of uh, the both of them. So. I really enjoyed the show. That's my impact check-in for the week. I really liked this show. It was really fun. It felt more it felt more cohesive, and they kept showing like they kept showing uh, flashbacks to the pay-per-view. So if you're a casual if you're a casual viewer and seeing it for the first time, you you know can get some um, some you know some some prior knowledge. You get to know what's going on. So I liked it. I liked it a lot. And, um, you know, it's good to have expansion of uh, discussion on the show because simply, um, but I mentioned, folks, it's uh, prior with my guest, Will Peden, who does comics, you know, for Kickstarter, HeelsCurtainComics.com, said uh, it's good. It's high and hard to discuss uh, Impact and AEW and WWE in the same breath because, actually, I, you know, I love professional wrestling, so to... We have to have someone else report on the surroundings of you know inner working with professional wrestling is great because it takes a takes a load off my shoulders and it makes it feel a lot easier and I can ebb and flow my thoughts about certain things and it told you impact wrestling it's certainly taken turn for the good because if it took a turn for the bad I'd be kind of question marking uh Sammy Callahan and my faith in his ability. 
but I've never had any questions or doubts about Sammy because the dude's fucking amazing. And he might say, oh, no, you just stopped me. Like, no, 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 dude. I I've, I've never had any I think, issue. I really feel like he capitalized on accidentally breaking Eddie Edwards' face, to be honest with you. He uh, got a whole bunch of shit for it and uh, really kind of weathered that and really rode that into a lot of good heel heat. I, I remember not liking him myself. <laughs> No, I mean, that's easy to do, Sammy. I mean, the guy can be a complete asshole, you know, one week, and then the next, you know, not week, but maybe, I should say, month, month and a half. But the whole busting the guy's blood vessel with a baseball bat, he's like, oh, I felt so fucking bad. But then afterwards, it was like, yeah, you saw what I did. I did it because, well, I knew you guys were going to sit there and react and uh, didn't take long, did it. You know, he'd say things like, they were out completely off the wall and and within reason because, like you said, he needed the fucking heat of the heel. And if you don't have heat of the heel, then what are you? You're just a fucking tweener. And, yeah, guys like uh, Seth Rollins or guys like Shawn Michaels or guys like Vader can work as either a heel or a face. But Sammy, he's not well known, you know, the casual fan. But to the fan that actually pays attention full circle, Sammy Callahan, say that name, you're going to turn head. And what he did with baseball bat folks was he was supposed to, I guess, mask the blow. He forgot to mask the blow. Well, the guy's eye vessel was popping out of his fucking socket. So the doctors had to do emergency surgical repair on poor dude's eye. And um, let's just say, you know, Sammy said he had felt bad about what had fucking done. And then what was even more genius was on top of that, he's like, yeah, but fuck this fucker. I did what I did. You guys can kiss my ass. I fucking applauded him for that because so many cookie cutter heels would have been like, yeah, you know, I I did this. And they would have made up a whole fucking annoying ass promo about the goddamn issue. But Sammy didn't. So... You know, kudos to that because there are a lot of stupid some bitches in this business. And yeah, you heard me right. There's a lot of stupid SOBs because the guys that actually put effort into their work and into their craft, you can tell. Sammy's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, yeah, it's like one of the things I'm going to point out to you is it's just like it's. I'm not going to point out every Latino wrestler there is, but Happy Cinco de Mayo, uh, it's, you know, it's not just for all, like, the Eddie Guerreros or the Rey Mysterios. It's completely off topic, but um, one of my favorite matches concerning luchadors, you know, like, not just between Eddie and Ray, but if I had to pick... I'm going to say, you know, super crazy versus Tajiri, and Tajiri's not Mexican, but so you know, super crazy. Nice. ECW's one night stand. Um, I'm going to point this out. Like, you going to talk about luchadors that actually fucking work their asses off? Yeah, you want to talk about a kid that was living out of a fucking tent at 16 years old, and then he got his chance at CMLL, and then. Triple A Mexico and then ECW came a calling. 
So to honor you know these Latino workers under um, Rosa, bad props to you, dear. But like I said, you need to quit working for that shithole of a division and actually join up with a great division, not one that's gonna not compliment you, but stick to NWA. Don't give Britt Baker fucking credit. That bitch needs to fucking work her ass off on her own. Oh, and three, like three, mad props, rest in peace, Eddie. Love you, Ray. Um, who else? Who else am I missing? Um, Love I'm Machine. Probably a shit thing. Yes. Eddie and Love Machine <laughs> versus El Hijo Del Santo and Octagon. That's that, that's yeah. that shit. Uh, Eddie versus Rey Mysterio. Uh, Halloween Love Havoc. Yeah. Um, Eddie Guerrero versus JBL Bloodbath. If you're a blood freak like me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rest in um, peace, Eddie Guerrero. Rest in peace, Eddie. Happy Cinco de Mayo to all the Latinos out there. Uh, you know, listening to the show, we thank you and love you for supporting uh, Wrestle Radio Network and Off the Rails and Censor. No, we're not ending the show, but I'm just. You know, I had to point that out because there's, okay, you know, there's uh, two Latino wrestlers also in AEW. There's more than two Latino wrestlers, but uh, from the inner circle, God, I'm terrible with fucking names, but... Uh, Santana and Ortiz, Santana uh, and Ortiz. And Ray, or Phoenix, Penta yeah. Yeah. Got a shit ton of names that come out for the Cinco de Mayo, and... We know that it's a celebration, uh, not only for luchadors around the world, but uh, luchadors in general, like especially, you know, the ones that aren't doing the stupid, you know, Santos Escobar gimmick, which is fine, I don't give a fuck. But uh, bad props to all the Latinos out there, you know. It's familia es importante, so uh, I got, you know, that's funny. The minute I mentioned that, I got blown up on Facebook just by, like, five messages right now saying it's about damn time you remember <laughs> Cinco de Mayo. Wow. Okay. That's cool. But moving forward, as we were saying if, after we got off the beaten track here, um, it's important that you draw on an audience and, like, Adam – or, like, a, like a Simpson – whatever – Sorry, I butchered names. Pizza. Pizza. Sorry, pizza. Um, I get off the beaten track too, but it's important that you draw an audience in with not just your booking, but keeping things fresh, keeping things you know in the audience's head. Like, oh, you're doing this match. Let's let's see something new uh, next week, or keep the same feud. Let's keep the same feud. Like, I think it's important to realize that when we as fans watch. Um, a show, we not only want to be captivated, um, but we also want to know, okay, what direction is this story going? How how long is this feud going to last? Or things like, if there's a title match, don't flip-flop the titles, please. Like, NXT is getting into that bad habit again. They did this shit with Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai. They did it with um, Kyrie Sane. They did it with Asuka. It's all centered around Shayna Baszler. But um, my thing, my biggest number one peeve is when a wrestling company 
says that they're going to do an innovative match, and then it turns out to be one big waterfall of finishes, and you don't really see anything other than that waterfall finish type shit. And you're just like, I thought this was supposed to be a match that was hyped up, and now I'm looking at a complete bowl of shit. <laughs> like tonight's example, blood and gut. Not example, but tonight's match at AEW, blood and gut. The fans were chanting, we want guts, you sick fucks, is what I was about to start chanting. Um, I, yeah, I wanted guts. I'm sorry. I'm a deathmatch guy. I don't care. I'm glad that five people bled. I think everyone in the ring should have. If it's going to be called blood and guts, yeah, deliver on it. I mean, if you're going to deliver on mayhem, it delivered on mayhem. At least there was that. <laughs> At least they fucking gigged in the match that should be gigged, and that's the one difference between War Game, Takeover War Games, and uh, this version of War Games, which there is like, if you think on it, folks, the rules are in War Games: if you if two guys start out the match, one team has an advantage. And if uh, in five minutes, you know, you have to wait till your team fills up the fucking two cages. Well, there wasn't two cages in this one. It was just one big giant fucking cage, even though Tony Schiavone fucked up and said it was, you know, uh, two cages and then the men have to either submit or surrender. Well, in the original war games, if you, if you notice, there was two rings, two cages. And if you tried to climb out of the cage... You got your ass disqualified. Same concept that was carried on over in the Takeover War Games. They now have a women's match involved, which sets WWE apart from AEW. Because again, fuck to you, they don't need a gigging match every single week. Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker. Um, it just has to be the concept that's me, like you said. As long as dudes gigged. Because it had a fucking point to it, great. But the only thing is, like uh, mentioned earlier, was they could have saved some of the confrontations for like the pay per view. Not, you know, let's uh, let's just have a melee in the middle of the fucking ring. Everybody's, jo- you know, exchanging blows. Like Dash still kept kept his fucking name, the fucker. Um, they're like, FTR, it's like, yeah, fuck the revival. What they're saying, the question fucking got asked right now on Instagram. The reason why, dude, they kept their name, sorry to go off the beaten path, fans. The reason why they kept uh, the their names is because they own the rights to their names. They signed a contract, but they asked for the rights to their names. Otherwise, they'd probably come up with some weird-ass gimmick name, and it would suck balls, dude, just telling you. Because sometimes wrestlers, when they get new in, into a new company and they get new names, um, yeah, enter at your own risk with gimmick is all I can tell you. Because you can end up with names like Heyman Ali or Brian Rails. Oh, wait, that's my name. Um, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, to answer, Does that answer your question, Jim? It does? Are you drunk again? Are you the dude that asked me questions about Luke Cage and myself? Do I have to block one of your accounts again? Okay, good. Thank you, sir. Great. I'm glad you're sober now. Thanks. 
Um, moving forward, um, moving forward, folks. The concept tonight wasn't a bad concept. It just the match was so all over the place. I had a hard time keeping track of who was with whom and why it was so much like NXT Takeover and yes, Sammy Guevara did have that moment where he fucked up when he's trying to do the corkscrew uh drop kick or whatever, the corkscrew elbow off like the fucking middle rope, which was dumb as fuck because those ropes have no fucking give to them. And there are the cable ropes instead of the fucking normal ropes, which, by the way, folks, cable ropes are like elevator cables, and they're not meant for wrestling rings, but I don't know why. Um, Sammy, you know, despite his little fucking uh, misunderstanding or like, his mistake, it did carry on into a good match that no one ever. It was the ending that captivated me and, like, like I told you earlier, Jericho probably mouthed the word, just throw me off. Because <laughs> I bet you MJF was going to be like, oh, we you know, we don't have time because we're going off air. Because the wrestlers, people think that we have, you know, we have earpieces in our ears when we're out there on the fucking floor or, you know, and or actually in the ring. It's like, no, dude, the only people with earpieces are the fucking referees and the timekeepers. Sorry to bust that fucking myth for you, but we don't Imagine if workers actually had a fucking earpiece in their ear. It would look real fucking obvious and it would allow people to boot the fuck out of us. Like, okay, well, um, here goes another, you know, earpiece moment, folks. But tonight, they gave AEW a chance and boy, did they hang themselves with a metaphorical noose. Uh, because they had a good concept going, they have great wrestlers, but my only fucking peeve, pet peeve with them is if you're going to have a story with not just, okay, Kenny Omega who seems like he's bored out of his mind and same thing goes for Miro you know, I have a seven day contract and I, you know, get to face anybody I want that is a champion that is so beyond cheesy but it works because well, he has a title match with Darby Allen. God, you know, someone's got to break that paint or uh, water down Finn Balor in half. He literally is a small guy with a chip on his shoulder. Who do we know of that has been a small guy with a chip on his shoulder? Ray Mysterio, anyone? Um, or, uh, Finn Balor? Anyone, when he was on main roster, had to fucking uh, work his ass off to get any good eye, uh, good graces of the boss. Darby Allen is one of those guys that's now being mentored by Sting. If they turn Sting, holy shit, that's going to turn pe- uh, people's heads and get their attention for sure. But is Sting ever going to turn on Darby Allen? I can answer that question for you right now. No. Be awesome though. It, it would be great. It'd be compelling TV. Um, but Sting loves mentoring young guys. I'm not so sure that he's going to do it. But you know, it's whatever. So let's see where I'm at, folks, as far as the uh, showtime goes. 
And we Okay, so we've got Let me see the concept of Jesus Christ, I saw that time last Really? Oh, okay So I have 25 minutes left in the show The following content, folks it, uh, Contains expletives More F-bombs Being dropped More so than on D-Day And so If you have minors Under the age of 18 The language, again Contained during this segment of the show Off the rails uncensored Is not suitable for minors under the age of 18 Any reproduction or likeness thereof Of off the rails uncensored The title off the rails uncensored Will be punishable By law And $45 will be deposited Into my bank account Trust me when I tell you I've actually become fairly rich Off of people trying to conceptualize My show Second of all, Off the Rails and Censored is a trademark podcast created on March 7, 2016. <clears throat> Any reproduction or likeness thereof or usage of the title Off the Rails and Censored is strictly prohibited. All rights reserved, 2021 Incorporated. So, monkeys in the truck, could you please, without further ado, it's my music. <laughs> Look in my eyes, what do you see? The Get that right. Crazy but sane-minded individual will join in on the fray of Off the Rails Uncensored, a show in which does not sugarcoat shit whatsoever about um, the inner, you know, inner workings, sightings of professional wrestling, what we like, what we didn't like. Um, you know, the concept of the show is simple. So my co-host and myself will be discussing what we have currently seen, what we uh, have noticed. And, um, as far as like what's new in professional wrestling, what's what makes us tick, what makes us uh, agree upon things, what makes us uh, disagree on certain issues. Um, so to get this party started, I I tuned I tuned into AEW late for a reason, and that's because I I did have interest in some of the shit that they were presenting, but I don't have interest in most of their products because. There's so many things that they could improve upon, just like there's so many things that NXT could improve upon. Um, as far as uh, NXT is concerned, yes, I believe AEW lit a fire under their ass for them to do things differently. Uh, I do believe that the only thing that I could nitpick with NXT is that their women's division is not terrible. Uh, to put the titles on... Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell is basically saying, well, we need a new look for our tag team championships and them being, you know, the heels of this division and holding the glue together is winning the battle. And I'm not opposed to Candice LeRae or Indy Hartwell being a champion. 
Uh, I would honestly say that's probably just to beef up beef up their uh, make their little faction look good. I really don't think it's anything other than that because I I don't know. It seems like they're trying to get that thing going and get that thing started, or get, um, getting getting them over to the next uh, the next level. Because uh, Johnny Sameface and his his wife are kind of boring. I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of over. I'm over Johnny Gargano and his wife. Gargano is kind of like the. Here's here's my thing with Gargano. He's not a bad worker. It's just he needs Tommaso Ciampa constantly to compliment his work. Yeah. I'm sorry. I agree. I think that's the only thing that I like that he's done, except when he beat or when his matches with uh, Adam Cole. That's really it. I mean, his matches with Adam Cole, they're like, why do you think it is that Cole held the title for so long? It's like, if you guys don't know, some people in wrestling play favorites. Uh, they won't tell you. One of the coaches of NXT, you know, especially, and this, to think of, you know, the fact that Undisputed Era is not a group, not a thing anymore, made me so happy, and here's why. Undisputed Era was great, but every time that I would go to the arenas and constantly hear Adam Cole, baby, I wanted to just throw my hands up and go, okay, cool, you like somebody, great. He's so over-fucking-rated. It's not even funny. If he was in any other wrestling company, yes, Adam Cole elevates a lot of guys. But to, to pass up on the opportunity to give a championship opportunity to the Velveteen Dream or to guys like Tommaso Ciampa, who finally wins the title, and then the fans are like, oh, no, I don't want it. Like, NXT was so split and divided uh, when Undisputed Era was running things their first time around. But then they expanded the group to four with Roderick Strong. And I'm thinking to myself, watching this shit, okay, Imperium's got to get involved somehow. And they did. And it was that wor- the shittiest pay-per-view in NXT history, you know, Worlds Collide. And I'm thinking, nobody really understood that reason why I had said I did not care for Adam Cole, it's like, um, not a bad worker, it's just the favoritism in WWE. The fact that Keith Lee was the guy to put him away, thank you, Keith Lee. Because I'm so sick and fucking tired of hearing Adam Cole's name chanted out through every goddamn arena that I would go to. The, you know, I went to the TakeOver in Chicago. I went to the ta- I've been to several NXT TakeOvers, man. And I can tell you, I was happy to see Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano. I was happy to see Tommaso Ciampa beat the ever-living fuck out of Gargano because, like you said, Gargano was fucking boring. And he doesn't have... Oh, okay, let me take that back. If he doesn't have Aleister Black, not so much Matt Riddle, because Matt Riddle, like, became middle of the pack on the main roster. But if he doesn't have certain guys who complement his work in-ring style, Gargano is essentially just another worker. And 
it's not a bad thing, but when you're the butt end of jokes because you're part of a group called The Way, that's just, I sorry, but Johnny Wrestling turned into Johnny Boring. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, his promo I don't want to watch that. Cell phone selfie stick. Well, who wants to watch a guy who uses a selfie stick to do fucking promos? Come on. Like, okay, you can talk. Like he, There's no doubt about it. Johnny Gargano can talk. He can work. Um, but also, here's the fucking problem. When you're literally living in NXT, for a reason, because his height, is anyone going to pick Johnny Gargano? He's five foot eight, And so, really, I can't say much because I'm only an inch taller than the little fuck, but here's the thing. Um, I've met Candace at Revolver. I have met Johnny Gargano at other shows. They're not bad people. What I'm saying is, Austin Theory added as his lackey. Really? Are you going to make Austin Theory Gargano's bitch because of Gargano's name in NXT? He doesn't have a clue who I am. I'm Mr. NXT. That's great, fucker. You can stay as part of the black and gold brand all you want until you like go up to what Finn Balor had to go through, then I really don't hold respect for you. So, like, my biggest thing with Gargano, Ciampa... Carrying Cross, who is, I don't know why, Carrying Cross, Killer Cross, whatever you want to remember him by. I mean, finally, they're starting to work him into the fray and make him a wrestler that I can actually go, okay, well, he's a biggin, so treat him like as such. Don't give him the stereotypical role, I'm going to, you know, become a tweener, but give him some breathing room and, and just give him matches against guys that can elevate his career like Finn Balor that can like well Kyle O'Reilly so yeah no Adam Cole's not a part of the show so we're taking uh, Kyle O'Reilly yeah no I I love saying yeah no because I never once cared for that ignorant little fuck because number one People want to immortalize a guy that was a complete dick to one of my friends in NWL, formerly in Kansas City, okay? And, uh, he, you know, he's... Rest in peace. Complete, rest in peace, NWL. Yeah, rest in peace, the local uh, NWL. That was, like, a really cool thing in downtown Kansas City, and it was a uh, good concept they had. And, you know, guys are now in Ring of Honor, and also the Regal Twins are now in... Uh, in New Japan, New Japan, cool. yes, yes, and Zach uh, Draper, I believe, is in Ring of Honor now. Guys, fucking yep. huge. I mean, that guy's—he's a six foot five, yeah, six five, two hundred and thirty-six pounds, all muscle. Dude works out. He's a fucking beast. But I'm just saying, folks, like. The whole thing, the whole reason why my new partner in crime is saying to you all that Gargano just bores us to tears because it's like, when he first came on, I was excited because I was like, oh, okay, cool, you know, they're going to get Ciampa involved with this guy. And sure enough, you know, Aleister Black came over and Nikki Cross and God, I miss Nikki. And I'm feeling she's going to be Lily, the fucking shit for brains creative. That's a different story for a different day. Okay. I've noticed, you know, that AEW is trying just as hard as uh, NXT, but the only, they're not the only issue. There's issues 
surrounding AEW that no one begins to fathom. And by begin to fathom, when you watch the show from beginning to end, uh, as a fan, watching AEW is like a chore. It shouldn't be that way. I wanted to smash, I wanted to smash my head into the fucking panel in my house and be like, okay, this is more pleasurable than watching Miro's promo. Not just Miro's promo, but there were times where I was on my phone going, why does this look so familiar? The setting where uh, Omega was talking down to Orange Cassidy looks exactly like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall talking down to Eric Bischoff. I, I zoned out. I, Kenny Omega talking is pure death, so I wasn't listening the whole time. They just bullied Orange Cassidy and took his sunglasses. I'm surprised they didn't take his lunch money. <laughs> I think Orange Cassidy is a little bitch anyways. So if I was the one who <laughs> much worse, I would have... I've not only taken sunglasses and been like, you're taking one in the balls. Why? Because I fucking hate you, that's why. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. Kenny Omega's talking, I'm dozing off. I was not just dozing off, dude. I, like, bonked my head on my iPad because I was taking notes. And I was like, I I woke up after, like, five minutes of commercial and was like, worst it's like worst pro, you know. You know, they asked like, "What was the uh, <clears throat> what was the worst part of the promo?" I said, "The worst part is Orange Cassidy didn't even fight. He just stood there like looking like a little bitch." Yeah, he looked and like a putz. And I'm like, "So you let him take your sunglasses? You, you just glared at him I'm like the redheaded stepchild you are." And I'm just, like, trying to grasp, like, is there any point to this promo? Are they trying to make, you know, like, are they trying to make him, like, the, like, any Omega's the antagonist and the protagonist is uh, Orange Cassidy? Okay, cool. So you know how that looks when you write it down on a sheet of fucking paper in wrestling? It says, okay... Basically, you're the bitch and you're the fucking master, right? Who's got the fucking dog leash and who's got the fucking riling crop? That's what it fucking looked like to me because it's like, okay. (laughs) If I think on this fucking further, dude, I'm going to, like, tear my hair out because, like, I I just had war flashbacks of what Nitro was after 98. And that's what AEW slowly but surely looking like. If you blend ECW and you blend WCW in the later years after Goldberg's streak went kaput, you know, thank you, Scott Hall, with your taser. Thank God. I like Goldberg. Not really. I can't. I cannot get behind Bill Goldberg. I liked Bill Goldberg back in the day when everyone else liked him. But now, nope. Nada, don't care. This is my personal take on AEW. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, go ahead. Well, when we look at wrestling now, if we look at AEW, if we put it in, you know, if we if we analyze it as fans, it gets really tedious and monotonous work, right? But if we look at it from a fan's perspective, AEW's trying. It's not that they're not trying. It's just watching tonight's show kind of gave me a little more insight as to why I cannot stand them. It's because... They they're the type of workers that oh yeah man this is gonna sound great I give a fuck to you this is what the conversation in the back sounds like uh, tonight we're gonna have you know a blood and guts match you know that match goes on main so, you know sub main is gonna be this before that it's gonna be Miro's promo I guarantee you hear a bunch of oh shit here comes the asshole I think they seem desperate I think they're hot shotting I think they're hot shotting their shows now and I think they're calling it. I think they're calling the show day to day, and they don't know what to do. It just seems lost. It just seems lost. <clears throat> I feel like I feel like Tony's. I feel like Tony's running out of ideas, and I feel like I feel like by next year it's going to be even worse. It is going to get worse because. If you look, if you listen to the the commentating team, they constantly have to cover up the the mess ups that happen in ring, out of ring, promos. It's just like, are you guys an independent wrestling company, or are you uh, you know at the level of big time? Yes. You're on network television. You're on network television, and you should be able to complete a full show without having any kind of fuck up. But if you do have a fuck up, you better cover it. They are independent guys. That's the problem. They don't know how to cover it up. They only know how to do flips and dive into the crowd. That's the problem. Yep. And people are buying it because they just want to see that. That's really what it is. They're the new shiny toys in town, and I said this to a friend of mine. It's not that they're a bad company. It's not that they don't have story concepts. It's the fact that they're the new shiny toy in town that everybody's, like, enamored with. And, like, oh, my God, AEW is reminiscent of Impact, how it used to be, a friend of mine said. And another friend of mine said, oh, it reminds them of ECW. So that is a slap to the face of an ECW original fan like myself. No, sir. Yeah, that's, that, that's a definite no. <clears throat> ECW shows like, had structure and fun and built to something and had established faces and heels and people you actually booed. <sighs> I don't know. We didn't go ha- we didn't go home happy all the time. ECW had shows where it was lackluster and it was Sometimes, like, okay, the show's like Angel Medina. Angel Medina's a good dude, and uh, once, you know, upon a time, I was a part of a show with him in KCXW, um, but, you know, he's a good dude with good advice, but to say, you know, I made this show possible or whatever, now, he didn't say he made it possible, but gave him a chance, yes, because ECW was on its last fucking tail, so, of course, they're going to show, he's going to say, 
I, I made things happen, you know, because I made believe in myself. I don't have a problem with Angel, but when he came as part of the Baldies and um, was a part of that group, you know, Paul Heyman loves everybody that has come through ECW, and he has a good memory of when ECW was hot. It was white hot. Imagine if uh, ECW was a part of network television. Imagine if they were actually part of TNN or part of uh, a major network. They probably would have, you know, been competition during the Attitude Era because you guys floating in and out of ECW and WWE like it was nothing. You guys coming to WCW because it was the last rung of their career. So, uh, you know, I just, for me, watching AEW is a fucking chore because I'm not, I can sit there for the two hours that it's on network television. I can sit there and psychoanalyze the, the match or the matches and just basically rip them a new asshole because why? I've been on the other side of the curtain is not the main reason. It's I see what I see, and I don't think that I like what I see. It's just a personal observation. Like, there are some guys that I like, uh, like Mike Seidel or, you know, Matt Seidel, the Seidel brothers. I, I don't mind FTR. I think Sammy Guevara has potential, but I don't think he's a good worker. I think Jake Hager is an excellent worker. I think Jericho is the glue that holds that shit together. Um, Cody Rhodes is somewhat arrogant and also kind of annoying at times, but he does he does some good wrestling. Uh, Hangman Page is another guy that I think if you give him some wiggle room, creatively speaking, he's going to be much better than what he is right now. Uh, they do need to kill the feud between Moxley and Omega because it's absolutely going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> the women's division, let me let me just hop on that train, shall I? The women's division is non-existent because they have okay, I'll give you one prime example of what really really works my nerves. We're original. We do things that no other wrestling company has done before. So what do you call Shayna Baszler biting Becky Lynch's neck? And Kushida doing that to, you know, whomever the fuck she did it to. But it's like, dude. Abaddon. Abaddon bit Sheeta. Abaddon. Abaddon, sorry. Abaddon bit Sheeta. That's her name, right? That's exactly. The spooky girl. Yeah, it's the same. Yes. It's the same shit that fucking Baszler did to Becky Lynch. But oh no, we're original. That's the, that will turn me off of your company. Quicker this, you can say Ticonderoga, because, like, honestly, guys, if we're going to sit as a wrestling company and be like, oh, yes, we're original, and then turn right around and say, um, you know, and do things like the match tonight with Blood and Guts, it's not totally like NXT TakeOver was. But it is, in a sense, very similar to a war game style match. Is that wrong? No. Um, the fact that they five guys bled in the ring is that wrong? No, because the theme of the match was blood and guts. So they did correctly that in that regard. 
Um, was the match all over the place? Yes. Is there a foul? Uh, is there a fuck up there? Depends on what kind of wrestling you style you're like. You can sit there and say, well, I like, you know, this style of wrestling because it's what I did in my backyard. You kind of look like a bunch of professional backyarders to me. Because isn't that what some backyarders have? I mean, they don't have the tools to use. Um as far as like, Yeah, some guy might take it some guy might take a slip off their house. Or if you like Mick, or if you're like Mick Foley, you might just decide to jump off your roof because you saw Jimmy Snooker and Don Morocco at Madison Square Garden and you saw Snooker do an elbow or yeah, saw him dive off the top of a page. But, you know, uh, it is what it is, folks. Like, AEW is always going to be the group of guys and gals that decide our concepts are great for our audience and we always cater to or pander to what our audiences want. Yeah. You cater to the stereotypical Mark who got sick and tired of waiting for WWE to start gigging and doing stupid shit like you are right now. The unprotected chair shot. Gee, I would love... I would love to talk to Sean Spears about why the fuck would you ever, ever give someone an unprotected chair shot when you know damn well that that can start a lot of bad things like CTE or how do I put this? You want another Chris Benoit walking around? Oh yeah, I went there. Because if I took an unprotected chair shot from some fucker who is not that great of a, he's not a bad worker, but when he got to WWE, he kind of plateaued. When they got bored, when they got bored with how he was, they, you know, basically put him as a mid carder with Randy Orton. It didn't work out with Randy Orton, so then they wanted to move him to mid card entirely, and he's like, "Fuck it, I want my release." So then he went to AEW. And then now they align him with Tully Blanchard. Is that a is that a bad thing? No. Um. Uh, what else? Chris Jericho, the glue that holds AEW together. Allow me to elaborate on that. Jericho can talk. He can relate to an audience. He's been working since he was sixteen. Um, he he gives he gives the show star power. Yes. Thank you. There's Keep going. Not only well like star power, um, credibility, the ability to save a match from drowning, like tonight. Because everybody was just I'm pretty sure Jerick was watching the match, gritting his teeth, going, What the fuck is going on, guys? It looks like the drizzling shit. The gigs were hilarious because it's like you can tell the fucking gig was in a natural way with MJF. By the way, that'll hurt your knuckles fast, but more props to you for throwing Jericho off the fucking cage. Yeah, I like that bump. I, even though it was pretty fake and, you know, it was 
pretty much like X marks the spot. I still thought it was a pretty fun high spot because I like blood and guts and I like mayhem and I I enjoyed that they took the uh, ring mats off the ground, off the ring and unscrewed the turnbuckle and just kind of made the uh, one ring kind of like a garbage ring. I don't know. I think if you're going to go for it, go for it. (laughs) Well, the other thing is, dude, it's like if you if you have somebody up top of a cage, you're not just going to let them sit there. In wrestling, you either thank you, Mick Foley, for this if you have them on top of the cage Now everyone's going to expect Something to happen Whether it's a move that makes them go through the cage Over the cage Landing on top of crap Jericho's bump was so bad It was like I didn't care though Because I thought okay you know what This just resurrected my faith uh, A little bit in AEW shit In order to you know Create a build for a story so Jericho's probably going to come up with something dramatic or, you know, like, okay, let's, uh, you know, let's say Jericho didn't fall off the cage and MJF was the one that took the bump. Then that would have killed the feud. Also, if, if MJF would have tapped out, okay, so what is the point of them feuding? Is there going to be even more of a buildup? No, he had to he had to take that big bump today because they they're trying to stretch this out. He had to get his heat back from getting his head stuck in the toilet because most people would have said the fuse dead after uh, he stuck his head in the toilet. So he had to take that big ride tonight. But here's my question: after we have this, here's my question though: after taking this, uh, after having this big blood and guts match, what are you gonna do to top it? Yeah, that's the thing I was just kidding. What's, AEW has yep. all these specialty matches, but they can't fucking, like, what's the topper? You know, that's my whole question. What's next? How do you top this non this crazy mayhem and nonsense match? What are you going to do? Triple cage on, you know, bring back the WCW David Arquette cage? I wouldn't put it past AEW. I mean, they've taken most of WCW's and WWE <laughs> concepts. They literally, they literally took War Games and added their own spin to it. I gotta give them props for that. Um, but I am not gonna sit here and praise them because the the chops in the corner between Guevara and Dak. Hello, dude. Where did you train in wrestling to give such shitty chops? I mean, it looks like you were literally just saying, oh, I'm going to chop you here. I'm going to chop you there. But I guess I'll chop you anywhere. Fucking Dr. Seuss this shit. But I'm going to point this out. If I ever saw a match, like, are you perfect? Can you wrestle? It's like, actually, it's funny you should mention, if I was trained to chop like that, I would have smacked myself in the corner. I've done a crazy gimmick because one, the gimmick, the gigging happened so simultaneously, and I was like, "Wow, I've never seen so much blood in the ring since Beulah McGillicuddy versus Bill Alfonso." I wonder what TNT is going to say. 
<laughs> uh, probably not gonna as long as it gets some ratings uh as a company i can uh as their company i don't speak for tnt i don't speak for the execs there but in today's world you might have some concern if their kids are there are kids that are watching um aew fans necessarily i'm not sure i mean their fan base is Big because look at the shit that you see at Spencer's or Hot Topic. I mean, they've literally flooded mainstream. That's how big AEW has become. But uh, if I look at it from what they did tonight, and not just their involvement with mainstream television and social media, um, I think that the executives in TNT, at TNT are probably discussing, like, okay, maybe we need to ease back just a little bit and tell them not to do so much shit. I mean, I thought the uh, I thought the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match was pretty uh, hardcore. So this uh, blood and guts match really uh, exceeded and ran away with expectations, in my opinion. So I wonder. I just wonder how what they had to do to like get this one to like be aired or whatnot. I think. What really okay? So, what if it's gonna be on air? There's nothing you really can do except for like, hey guys, just ease the blood back just a little bit. It was called blood and guts, so you can't sit there and tell the workers, oh by the way, don't gig. Really? So what's the point of gigging? Or what's you know what's the point of uh, the title then? That's what I would have said. You know, is like uh, what you know. What are, what concept are you trying to give? What story are you trying to tell? And you know, whose audience are you trying to reach? Because there's the audience that is the sick, you know, sadistic that I don't care if I see blood, I don't care if I see guts, I just want to see a fucking wrestling match that includes mayhem and chaos. Well, this match did include blood, uh, not guts, but mayhem and chaos. Yes, it did. And it really, you know, at, at this point, uh, to wrap things up, folks, you know, just like to finish the discussion, um, I believe professional wrestling has gotten a really modern-day makeover. So when you see Matt's with Blood, some of you might be shocked, but uh, – Pete Simpson, myself, like, or Simpson, Pete, whatever. I'm sorry, folks, if I'm butchering my co-host. You're good. But, but what I'm saying to you is, like, it may be a culture shock, if you will, to see blood in a wrestling match. For those of you who didn't see Thunder Rosa and uh, it, I mean, I, I'm not sorry. This this person does not deserve a name because, to me, she is not the best worker. She thinks she is. But when you call out Mick Foley and say, I made hardcore, the name of hardcore, more famous than Mick Foley's 20 years. It took 20 years for him to throw a thumbs up and then get a crowd pop. Like, really, let me just point this out. You would probably bleed more on your tampon than you would on a fucking wrestling match. But if you were told, bitch, let me explain this to you. 
to call out a legend like Nick Foley, like you did, no, that doesn't get you oh, oohs and ahs. That's only the smarts that have a boner when they go home at night and don't tell you they masturbate to your ugly-ass, transgender-looking fucking face. And two, let me explain something to you, dearie. If you ever disrespect another legend again, I will not hesitate to call you out on your shit. Because one, you say you asked for your release from NXT, yet you still, you know, I don't care about your personal life with Adam Cole. I really could give a fuck less. But however, I am going to point this out to you. If you ever decide to call out a person who worked his ass off in this business, who hitchhiked to Madison Square Garden just to see a wrestling match, did you hitchhike, Britt? No, you went to an Ivy League college to become a dentist who then used it later on as part of her gimmick. Look here, Mrs. Yankum DDS. <laughs> I, I feel that you have good intentions with, you know, your wrestling or lack thereof. However, again, this is a fair fucking warning to you. Just because you have one match where women gig, have you forgotten about Becky and Charlotte? They gigged before you. And you were so mad and adamant about Ashley Flair getting favorited through NXT. You said to everyone and anyone that would listen, oh, I could out-wrestle Ashley Flair. I could out-wrestle some of these women. I have mad respect for some of these women, but I fucking hate her. I can't stand her. So it wasn't the fact that you were a jealous bitch. It was the fact that you went into a company which, you know, thrives on rejects. So basically, I love my team, but basically, AEW is full of people that kind of resemble the Las Vegas Raiders. Why? Cast off rejects, people nobody's even heard of, come to make their team a success. Sure, Chris Jericho is a part of the success. Omega is a part of that success. Pac, Moxley, Hangman Page, Diamond Dallas Page. The list goes on. It's not all negative, but there is a stigma considering concerning the women's division, and I've mentioned that multiple times throughout this podcast. AEW's got a bunch of women on that roster that they don't even have time to shine because why? Britt Baker has taken it upon herself to notate that it took her one night to become a supposed legend, and that really irked me hearing her say that on a video clip. Because it's like, yo, who the fuck are you to be saying things like, I'm a legend, I'm a, I'm a good worker. Bitch, sit your ass down. Nobody asked you. And two, Thunder Rosa, again, why are you wasting your time, sweetie? Why? That roster is going to do you no favors anytime soon. They're nothing but a bunch of rejects from ATJW. Did you know? You know, I really don't think that's kind of fair because I think that the uh, women's divisions have really been cherry-picked by NXT and Impact, and it's really not a lot of uh, not a lot going around there. <laughs> not to say that it's anyone hard cares to... about the women's division. Some of them don't. Some of them do. But when you hear people have said, well, you know, WWE's had evolution. Maybe it was a one-night stand, or maybe it was a one-hit wonder type thing. Look, I'm not favoring WWE's women's division by any stretch of the means either, because you have people running around like Dana Brooke and uh, Shayna Baszler and 
and unfortunately Ronda Rousey. Okay, I don't really care for Ronda. I never really cared about that bitch. But here's the thing: I, I think that people should forget the WWE Women's Division went through an evolutionary change. I blame Fabulous Mula for holding back, at, you know, for 40 years after what she did to Wendy Richter. Because then, you know, the and this goes back to women's division not being a thing. Guys be like, you know, used to watch with my friends, and my friend Brandon would always say, when it was the women's match back in 2011, he would say, oh, piss break. You know, now, you know, where it's like, okay, we have elements like Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Asuka, so this and WWE is a quite extensive one, and though it may be people can bitch and complain, I always tend to lean more towards, okay, is this going to be taken seriously? Is it meant to be taken seriously? Like, what do you say to a group of people who don't care about women's wrestling, but they care more about the blood and guts and, and the hardcore element? I don't care. Whatever your flavor of wrestling you like is what you like. But when it comes to the women's division in both AEW and, and WWE, you're right. It was cherry picked. You were completely right. I also believe, uh, really, at this point, if you really want to step your women's your women's division up, they just got to have good matches. They got to deliver. That's all it really is at the end of the day. Just have a good match. Steal the crowd. I mean, steal the show. That's all I can really say. Outside of, you know, having a good match, you know, and being, you know, seeing all the women around the independent scene is different because you have some workers that can actually work a match and you have other workers that can sit there and say, well, I do this because I train. That's a bad attitude to have. Also, if I get into a wrestling ring and I take a bump and I take and learn back bumps and front flip bumps and I go around critiquing everyone else on their style of match, that does not make me a good worker. What makes me a good worker is if I'm in tune with the crowd. And I think some of the women in AEW, not to call out anybody aside from Jared Baker, but she soon forgets she was once upon a time a part of the performance center back in 2015. And after that, you know, in 2016, she got called up again because she got cut the first time. And why am I centering my focus around her? Oh, I forget one other thing. When referees are put over, that is the biggest other thing that irritates the everybody crap out of me. Aubrey Edwards is a referee that my friend bombs over because, oh, yeah, for Aubrey Edwards, I go, okay. Referees aren't supposed to be getting the glory with, you know, overworkers. That's just not how it works. No. Did I pay to see a referee? Fuck no, I didn't. And, uh... And I'm just like... I'm trying to fathom, do I want to tune in just for Aubrey Edwards 
or do I want to tune in to see a match? Hmm, let me think on that one, folks. Do I tune in to see Jessica Edwards or Jessica Carr, my bad? No. I tuned in to see a wrestling match. I don't care what the referees do. Did I tune in to WWE, Raw, and SmackDown Live to see John Cone referee? No. <laughs> I tuned in, others tuned in to see a fucking match. Do they care about what the referee does? Is it has an effect on the outcome? Sure. <laughs> but, honestly, did I tune in to see Earl Hebner back in the day? No. Did I see tune in to see Mike Kyoto? No. So why the fuck should I invest my time in watching a person like Audrey Edwards? Is she that catchy? No. She is a nice person, but really another factor in AEW is like our referee is over. She even has her own T-shirt. No. I do think she does. I do think she goes a little overboard. I do think she. I do think she does. She tries to get herself over, and try to sell merch, or just tries to get some kind of like attention. I do think that the referee should just be there and you know not be seen. It's okay if you want to do it like as once a time. You know, well, this wrestler really irks my skin, so I'm gonna become the referee from hell. But, you know, here's my personal take on Aubrey Edwards. Um, she's a good referee. They obviously wouldn't have recruited her if she wasn't. But, you know, putting yourself over in, in matches that are monumental, to the, or det- not detrimental, but monumental to the company and have a momentum shift, like Pac versus Moxley, she was a referee in that match. And yet, the crowd was chanting, Aubrey Edwards, like, fuck, dude. Like, I guess I could say nice things and, you know, certain things about AEW's moniker as a whole. Like, I can say nasty things about WWE all night long, but really, at this point, I'm just hoping we can go back to seeing live shows. I don't care if it's WWE or AEW. I just want to see something cool in ring, live, in person. AEW is actually running their next show with full fans, full capacity, 5,500 fans in uh, in attendance for double or nothing is what they're saying. Oh, that's, you know what, man, there you go. All right, fans are going to get bored anyway. I mean, I'm tired of being at home, you know, watching <laughs> one brand or the other. So it's good that they're having full capacity. That's great. However, I'm going to say one thing. Yeah, it's sold out. Where are they too chicken shit to go to Madison Square Garden where the regulations haven't been lifted and try and test the waters with 10,000 people? Since they have the components to do it with 5,500, I mean, like I said, there's going to be times where I feel strongly about certain things. Wait, that's every fucking thing. So, 
reason I feel like I'm glad you know that I have to show with people is like, oh, we got to get ourselves assimilated to a full audience. That's cute. WWE fucked us with 25,000 people. And by fucked us, I mean, at WrestleMania, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It, oh, I love this one. I love it because we've heard the sounds of a crowd. Isn't that what you guys use for canned heat? Like boo, cheer, ooh, ah, and, record, and used recorded chants during certain moments of the matches, which was hilarious? I wouldn't be surprised. My, uh, my experience on the Thunderdome was pretty much canned and b- me being told what to do and who to cheer for. Wow. I actually quit. I uh, was being told. For, I was being told uh, who to cheer for when it, like, here comes Triple H and someone chimes in my ear with, "Boo this person, boo, boo!" Like, like a stagehand. I, I wasn't having a good time, so I bailed. So yeah. They told you what to say. Yes. They were telling us who to cheer for and who to boo, and it was not fun. And because I was being, I heard the, uh, I heard the, cha- I heard the the chants, I heard the um, the crowd, I heard the announcers, and I heard a stagehand telling me all what to do at the same time. So it was kind of a jarring experience. That's. Uh, um... That's uh, something new. I had thought that you just had people on TV. And you guys were even told to have facial expressions, weren't you? Yes, we were told to cheer, and we were told to never leave our seats unless told to, and um, we were told to always look excited or we will be kicked out. Wow. The Thunderdome, yeah, the Thunderdome experience is not a fun is not a fun experience at all. That just seems like it's okay. That'd be like going to a concert of an artist and being like, okay, cheer during this moment of the song, but when it's this frame of the song, we want you to sit down and look sad. Yep, that's exactly what it was. That's just wrong, dude. That's so. That's so wrong on so many levels. Like you can't. The wonder why they're losing ratings. You're telling fans how to fucking feel. Yep, that was my experience in the Thunderdome, being told what to what to do, who to cheer, when to cheer, how to cheer, who to boo. Yeah, I haven't watched Raw since. To be completely honest with you. I wouldn't want to go on that to begin with because it's like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, let's just um, let's really, really do it and have fans have a half-ass experience. That's so wrong. It's like saying, it's like saying to yourself, oh yeah, I'm gonna go to this football game and even though I hate this team, I can only cheer when our team scores a touchdown. And when this player comes in, I can't boo him, even though he has thrown five interceptions and maybe two touchdowns in his last three games. 
would be like the equivalent of doing that to a Raiders fan. Even though I, love, I like Derek Carr, like if he had been less productive in his games and then all of a sudden becomes productive in the other games, like uh, and he was less productive the game before and he'd thrown like two or three picks and uh, we're set there on a monitor being told by Mark Davis and the executive room. Uh, the other Raiders personnel, like, oh, yeah, you can only cheer when Derek Carr's on the field, and if you boo him, then we're going to kick you off. But ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for this wonderful evening with the new co-host of the show, and uh, we hope, yeah, it's yeah. Not we hope. We know it's going to be next Wednesday on Off the Rails Uncensored, so we thank you all for tuning in from Latvia, Indonesia, Canada, Australia, the United States of America, Happy Cinco de Mayo, uh, fans of Mexico, and, you know, are all around Italy and Japan and all of you listening to this crazy shit. So, if you didn't like what good old Brian Rail had to say, and I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. Oh, and uh, be sure to download this episode for free on iTunes, because, you know, we're that awesome, because we don't charge just yet. So, toodles, bitches. We got to go. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, have a good one. Be good. Close up,